Hello and welcome to The Forge. My name is James and this is the place where I teach verse by verse through the Bible. I am a retired U.S. Air Force Master Sergeant who went on to serve the Lord's Church as an assistant pastor, worship leader, and youth pastor. During my time in these roles, I finished seminary and I hold a Master of Arts in Biblical Studies and a Master of Divinity. I've been involved in ministry in some form for over 25 years, and it is my hope that this podcast will be a blessing to you as I teach from God's Word, the Bible. Forge exists to serve those whom the Holy Spirit is calling into a relationship with God through His Son, Jesus Christ. This is done through biblical teaching so that individuals understand God's forgiveness, live in its reality, and overcome the wounds caused by bondage to sin. I will always hold to the truth found in scriptures, and a summary of my doctrinal statement is worded perfectly in the five solas of the Reformation. I believe Christians experience gratefulness and renewed purpose as they are encouraged by the words of life, which spring from the Bible. I pray that this podcast plays a role in God's ongoing work in your life. Don't forget to look in the show notes for links to the podcast website where you can leave a donation or leave a voice message with questions. I will be collecting questions for a future Q&A podcast. Also, please leave a review on whatever platform you are using. That and telling others about this podcast are the two biggest things you can do for me. Now grab your Bible and get ready for a verse-by-verse study. May God bless the reading and the hearing of His Word. Hello again, dear listeners. I'm dropping this episode on January 16th, 2022. And we will be deviating from the normal format. As you know, we are working our way through the book of Genesis chapter by chapter, verse by verse. It is my goal here at the Forge to make it through the entire Bible in this manner. And it's a big undertaking but I have faith that I can get it done with God's help and blessing. But today I wanted to dedicate this episode to our brothers and sisters in Canada. And you may recall from the last episode that Canada has now made it illegal to use what has been very loosely defined as conversion therapy when counseling with people concerning their sexuality. I also read a portion of the preamble to the bill, which is now law in Canada, which basically calls the idea of godly heterosexual relationships a myth. And as I often do in my podcast episodes, I encourage you to do a simple little bit of research for yourself, a web search will take you to the law and you can read it for yourself and 
you will find out that I am not in any way misrepresenting the law as it now stands in Canada. So what I wanted to do with this particular episode is address just a few things concerning what God has actually stated about human sexuality. And I'm going to give you some statistics. I'm going to address a few of the counter arguments uh, from the so-called gay Christian theology idea. And, you know, I'd like to just go ahead and keep it here in the book of Genesis that we've been studying now for 30 something, you know, 30 plus episodes uh, in the book of Genesis. But um, there's more than just one passage of scripture dealing with this issue. There are several places throughout the entire Bible where we are instructed on sexuality. We're instructed on marriage. And and as a matter of fact, we are instructed in all of our relationships. But primarily, I'm going to keep our focus in Genesis 19, which we've already covered. Uh, I suggest that you go back and... Feel free to listen to uh, the discussion on Genesis chapter 19. But um, we are going to use some cross-references. I am going to give you a list of scriptures that you can study on your own. But really, in the interest of time, I just simply uh, don't have time to go into it all. Um, It would take, you know, we could spend 30 episodes just on this subject alone. We could probably have an entire podcast itself dedicated to the discussion of the godly view of sexuality. So with that said, we're going to go to Genesis chapter 19, where we have the story of Sodom and Gomorrah. And I encourage you to go back, like I said, and listen to the previous episode. But for now, let's just simply read what God's word states in Genesis chapter 19, beginning at verse 1. I'm going to go through verse 11. Now the two angels came to Sodom in the evening, and Lot was sitting in the gate of Sodom. When Lot saw them, he rose to meet them, and he bowed himself with his face toward the ground. And he said, Here now, my lords, please turn into your servant's house and spend the night and wash your feet. Then you may rise early and go on your way. And they said, no, but we will spend the night in the open square. But he insisted strongly. So they turned into him and entered his house. Then he made a feast and baked unleavened bread and they ate. Now before they lay down, the men of the city, the men of Sodom, both old and young, all the people from every quarter surrounded the house. And they called to Lot and said to him, Where are the men who came to you tonight? Bring them out to us that we may know them carnally. So Lot went out to them through the doorway, shut the door behind him and said, Please, my brethren, do not do so wickedly. See now, I have two daughters who have not known a man. Please let me bring them out to you and you may do to them as you wish. Only do nothing to these men since this is the reason they have come under the shadow of my roof. And they said, stand back. And then they said, this one came in to stay here, and he keeps acting as a judge. Now we will deal worse with you than with them. So they pressed hard against the man Lot and came near to break down the door. But the men reached out their hands and pulled Lot into the house 
with them and shut the door. And they struck the men who were at the doorway of the house with blindness, both small and great, so that they became weary trying to find the door. So just for some clarification, because I know it can get confusing sometimes when we're reading it and we're looking at certain words. It says the men reached out and pulls and they pulled Lot into the house. These men were angels and they are different than the men who were outside the house. And obviously these angels sent from God had the appearance of men. But my purpose in this episode is not to completely do a rehash of everything in this chapter. You'll find it all in the previous episode where we covered chapter 19. But I do want to point out to you that what the men of this city wanted to do to the angels of God was clear. They wanted to take these men for homosexual rape. And I've heard the argument that God's judgment came upon these cities, not because they were sexually perverted, but because they failed to show hospitality. And dear Christian, what would you say to that? If someone brings that argument to you, what would you say? Well, let me tell you what I would say. (laughs) I would say you must read the previous chapter for context. And dear listener, one thing that I have stressed through this entire podcast is context. Context and consistency. I have to use fair and equitable measures. And I cannot turn from scripture and run away from it if it says something that I don't like or I don't agree with. And guys, I'm talking to myself here. You know, the Bible... uh, cuts me just like it cuts everybody else. It is, as the word says, it is sharper than any two-edged sword. And so there are things that I come across that I struggle with. I have a hard time with it. I'm not perfect, but I can't turn away from it or try to twist it to make it say something that it doesn't say just because I may not like what it is clearly saying. So if we go back to Genesis chapter 18, and we read verses 20 through 21. I want you to read this. It says, And the Lord said, Because the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is great, and because their sin is very grave, I will go down now and see whether they have done altogether according to the outcry against it that has come to me, and if not, I will know. And so what we see here is that the Lord already knew. And he has already passed judgment. Now, how could he pass judgment already if the sin was hospitality or a lack of hospitality, specifically a lack of hospitality to these two men slash angels that God had sent to the city? You see, judgment had already been passed. The sin of the cities was very grave, the Bible says. And the angels go down on a rescue mission, really, to retrieve Lot. And of course, if you know the story, Abraham begins to intercede on behalf of Lot 
because he recognizes that he's talking to the Lord. And we've talked about uh, the appearance of the eternal son in human flesh in the Old Testament. And Abraham, of course, we know begins to kind of play a numbers game, if you will remember, with God. And here we see the justice of God. You see, his judgment is perfect. And he is willing to spare the entire city for the sake of 10 righteous people. And in this, we see God's mercy is also on display. But my point is simply this. The sin against God was not a lack of hospitality shown to the angels who came for a visit. So this raises the question, what was their sin? Well, if you look at the prophet Ezekiel in chapter 16, he makes a list of the sins of Sodom. Now, to keep it in context, he is prophesying about Israel, uh, Israel's coming judgment, but he uses Sodom as an example. And the word of the Lord actually, uh, he calls Israel a sister of Sodom. He says, your sister, Sodom. And so here's the list of sins of Sodom. Pride, fullness of food, abundance of idleness, no compassion for the poor and the needy, haughtiness, and abominations being committed before God. So there's no homosexuality listed here. So where do we get the idea that homosexuality was the reason for God's righteous destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah? Well, my answer would be to take a look at the words that Ezekiel uses. When Ezekiel uses the word abomination or abominations, what is he talking about? What could he be talking about that's not already been listed? Well, remember that Ezekiel would know the word of the Lord according to Leviticus 18.22, which uses this same phrase to describe homosexuality. It seems that while the prophet is using the word abominations, that this word certainly could include many things, but it does not exclude homosexuality. And I do want to take a moment here and talk about another of the sins that the prophet listed. The very first thing in the list, he listed pride. Interesting word, pride. In the West, in the United States, in celebration of all things sexually perverted, in our culture today, we do have a certain month that we celebrate as a nation, perversity. And what do we call that month? That's right, we call it Pride Month. There's gay pride parades in many major cities during this time. You see, friends, pride and homosexuality do go hand in hand. Now, don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying that if you're a prideful person that you're automatically homosexual. I'm simply pointing out that there is a relationship here that should not be overlooked. Read Romans 1, Romans chapter 1. You see, the men of Sodom place their own sexual desires above the design of God. 
and they did so in arrogance. You see, homosexuality is a rejection of the God-created complement for you. It is, at its heart, both prideful and self-worship. The homosexual desire is for a mirror image of self rather than the one created as a perfect complement for your physical body. And I'm going to take you to a phrase that we just read there in Genesis chapter 19, where it says the men wanted to know them carnally, to know them carnally in scripture. This comes from the Hebrew term yada, translated as no. Well, that's great, somebody might say. <laughs> no does not mean have sex with. You can know someone without having sex with them. And I'd say, yes, that's correct. You're exactly right. No does not mean have sex with. But let's look at the context once again, and I'm going to keep driving back to context and consistency. You see, Lot uses the same word three verses after it was spoken by the men of Sodom when he offers his daughters. And again, I'm not justifying what Lot did. You can go back and listen to chapter 19 to hear all my comments about that. But the point here is that Lot used the same word when he offered his daughters, thinking that they would be an acceptable trade because they had never, quote unquote, known a man. Well, obviously, they knew at least one man, and his name was Lot, their father. <laughs> what is he saying when he says they've never known a man? Well, it's an obvious reference to a sexual relationship. He's saying, my daughters are virgins. And this is also the meaning of the word that we find all the way back in Genesis chapter 4, verse 1, when it says that Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived. Well, there's something going on there besides just knowing her, you know, personally knowing who she is and having a conversation that caused her to conceive. So clearly the implication here is that they had a normal husband and wife relationship. And there's several other Old Testament passages which use this phrase, and you can look them up for yourself. Uh, with something as simple as a concordance. Um, in each of these cases, the word no clearly means something sexual based upon context. And from these contexts, we know that the phrase to know is a euphemism for sex. So another thing to consider about this passage is that context itself indicates that the men of the city wanted these angels, which had the appearance of men, they wanted them for sex. Like I've just stated, why else would Lot offer his two daughters to the men of the city? What did Lot say about his daughters? Well, he said they were virgins. That's what he was saying. Lot knew that the men of the city wanted the men who were now his guests and, and under the protection of his house, and they wanted them for sex. He, he fully understands what's going on here. There was no question in his mind. And that's why he implores them to 
not do so wickedly. And so obviously (laughs) they didn't just want to sit down and have a conversation and get to know them. They wanted to have sex with them. And then of course they accuse Lot of being their self-appointed judge. They even say, you know, you came in here, you've moved in now, you want to be our judge. We're going to do worse to you than we're going to do to them. And I rarely jump around to different versions of the Bible. I I encourage people to get a translation, which you can understand and stick with that translation. Um, My encouragement to you would be to use either the New American Standard Bible or the New King James Version. Either one of those are my personal preference. And maybe in a later episode, I can get into all the reasons why I go to those. But there are times when other translations can be helpful in seeing the depth of meaning in a passage of scripture. And I do want to be clear, and perhaps we can talk about this in a future episode. There's a difference between translation and interpretation, not the same thing. And a lot of times, uh, especially among cynics and critics and people who bring accusation against the word of God, they confuse those two terms. Translation is not the same thing as interpretation. So with that said, I want to bring you to the new international version, the NIV, and I'd like to bring up the new living translation, the new living translation, the NLT. Both of these versions of the Bible translate that Hebrew word yada as having sex with. That's what it actually says in the NIV. And it indicates the thought of the passage. And yes, in the New King James Version, which I just read from, it adds the word carnally in there. The word carnally is not in there. It's yada. But in this context, it does mean to know them carnally. And they did that for clarification. In the New American Standard Version, or the NASB, it uses the phrase, have relations. So friends, the folks who work on these translation committees, they are extremely skillful, and they are respected when it comes to the ancient languages. In other words, they know what they're doing, they know what they're talking about, and they have a desire, and they strive for... um, as accurate a meaning as they can to put it into English from ancient languages, Hebrew and Greek. I would add to all of this that in the Septuagint, which is the Greek translation of the Old Testament, it actually renders it with a phrase that means sexual intercourse. So I'm only attempting to point out to to you here that the sin of Sodom and Gomorrah was not their lack of hospitality, although we would all agree that they were not very hospitable. But the sins of Sodom and Gomorrah were many, and they culminated in sexual perversion to the point that, according to our text, that all the men of the city, and it's important that you notice this, both young and old, uh, because that indicates the level of the perversity, they wanted to rape these male visitors. 
And I'm not going to have time to develop all of these verses, but for your own study, I recommend the following scriptures. Leviticus 18.22, which tells us that men are not to lie with men. Leviticus 20.13, which tells us that homosexual behavior is a detestable act. Romans 1.24-26, which tells us that those who do these things have exchanged the truth for a lie. 1 Corinthians 6.9, which tells us that presumably men who take the role of an effeminate person in the relationship will not inherit the kingdom of God. 1 Timothy 1.10, which tells us that sexual perversion is contrary to sound teaching. And Jude 7, which makes a comparison to the cities that we just talked about, Sodom and Gomorrah. So for further study, you can consider Deuteronomy 23.17, 1 Kings 14.24, uh, 1 Kings 15, 12, uh, 1 Kings 22, 46, and 2 Kings 23, 7. And I know I went through that really fast, but I will include all of those in the show notes so that you can look them up and read them on your own time. As I bring this episode to a close, I want to give you a statistic which you can find for yourself on the CDC website. In 2018, in the United States alone, 81% of new cases of HIV were among men. Interestingly, the CDC does not use the word homosexual to describe these men on the website. The website states, quote, Most new HIV diagnoses among men were attributed to -to male-to-male sexual contact. So please feel free to fact check me. I welcome it. Go out to the CDC website. You can look it up for yourself. Only 10% of the cases known in 2018 came from heterosexual contact. So when we look at these numbers, according to race, which is a term, as you've heard me say already, I don't like the word race, but I would call them a people group. We have different people groups, but both blacks and Hispanics hold a greater percentage than whites. Interesting, isn't it? And I don't mean anything uh, racially against people. If anything, I believe that there is a lack of education and there is a deliberate attack on these people groups and they do not give them the truth. That's what I believe is actually going on. So I say what I say, not because I hate these other people groups, but because I care about those other people groups. And I don't think uh, government agencies and the CDC and all the rest do a very good job of getting the word out, but that's just my opinion. But the CDC also reports, and this is another quote, once nearly eliminated in the United States, syphilis is increasing, especially among gay, bisexual, and other men who have sex with men. There were 38,992 primary and secondary syphilis cases reported in 2019. Most, 47% of these cases were among men who have sex with men only 
and men who have sex with both men and women. So there's many other stats that you can look at for yourself, which deal with the number of sexual partners that homosexuals have, other diseases which spread throughout the LGBT community. And we should remember that God put certain boundaries in place, not because he wants to take away our fun, but because he cares for his people. And make no mistake, the destruction of the very fabric of our society will happen if we continue to embrace and celebrate sexual relationships which attempt to function outside God's design. Outside of God's design. Friends, there is more to you than your sexuality. So, in conclusion... The Bible says that homosexuality is a sin and it should not be practiced. God loves homosexuals, but he commands them to submit to his authority in this area of their life. We, the true believing Christians, must condemn the sin of homosexuality, but continue to love sinners. And finally, if anyone in Canada is listening your brothers and sisters in the United States stand with you. We love, support, and pray for the Lord's Church in Canada. As we know, you will be tested. again for listening to the forge podcast and don't forget to leave a review with comments let me hear from you leave a voice message through the link i hope and pray that you find ways to apply the truths of god's word in daily living remember dear christian you are forgiven it is by grace that you've been saved through faith May you grow in Christ in the study of the Bible and truly overcome wounds that were caused by sinful choices and actions of the past. I also pray that you are always reforming, seeking to glorify God in all that you say and do. Remember to be grateful to God for what he is working out not only in you but in all his creation as well. And lastly, be encouraged encouraged to serve God and others as you grow in Him.